Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight we got episode 26 titled Scoot Up and Scoot Out because we got Scooter himself, the star for the LSU football team, Xavier Hill, joining us. And guys, I don't want to waste any time. I'm ready to talk college football, so let's jump into the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Our guest, LSU football star Xavier Hill. All right, Xavier, my man, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about you? We are blessed, man. Um, we're talking football tonight, finally. Um, we've been on this long baseball train now that it's over. I think you're well aware of this, being an SEC guy. It's it's about football now. I don't know if it's ever not been about football, but it's really about football now. Um, yeah. But, man, like, you know, before, before we get into this interview, I, I got to ask. You got a nickname of Scooter. It's all over social media, so don't try to hide it now. But how do you get a nickname like that? And it, it seems like you're having a ton of fun with it, man. Where did that come from? Uh, it just came from my family. My granddad gave it to me when I was like, uh, when I was like a little baby. He, they said I used to like scoot around like the crib and like the bed. So they just named me Scooter. And it's just been sticking ever since then. Man, I love when you get nicknames as a kid and they carry with you forever and then you got your family calling it you got your friends calling it now you got everybody at school calling you man so like scooters where it's at man what a, what a great nickname man and, and we'll we'll get into all the football accolades and all that and um but man i want you to take me back where are you from originally uh, i'm from mississippi originally uh north mississippi alabama lake area gotcha so you know, growing up there, Jim Jim said you, you, you got a brother, Colby. He said he, he's pretty cool. He's athletic. Um, but I, I got to ask, anytime we have, you know, siblings and people with brothers and sisters, we got to ask, was there a lot of competition in the household or was it, you know, pretty pretty civil? Uh, see, I grew up I grew up mainly with just, like, me, my, my other brother, Brittany, and my mom, Kobe's my stepbrother, so I kind of got introduced to him like around like six years ago. So like, and when I first met him, I didn't even play football, so I was a basketball guy. So like, it was a competition growing up when against me and my brother. He was always bigger and stronger for like the most part of our lives, and then I kind of like hit a growth spurt, got a little bigger. But I was playing basketball, so it didn't really, it wasn't really like that competition because he can play sports like that so what they what age did what age did you start playing football um see i started officially playing like probably around 15 16 because i joined the team for the first time my freshman year but i didn't like it and i still was trying to play basketball so i ended up like not playing football until my junior year for real can you still hoop? Yeah, I can still hoop. All right. So I'll be the first guest to actually believe. Yeah. We, we get a 
we we get a bunch of baseball guys on here and they they pretend like they can hoop and they they talk about that one time they did this one thing and so like you immediately know like if you did it one time you ain't that but I don't know with some with, with some of the baseball guys at LSU one time and they was getting, and they was giving us buckets so I don't oh, know. okay I went down to baseball guys all right all right so it, it it's crazy man you started playing football at 15 or 16 and then then you stopped and you went back to basketball but when you started playing before you stopped the first time did you were people like dude you're crazy what are you doing you got all this talent or was it something where you, you just didn't feel like you were that good at it? So you're like, man, let me go back to, to hooping because I know that, that that's my thing. No, I just never really got into it as a kid. I played like one year of like of like the local city park football. And the only reason I played is because the coach, like I was like really big for my size. And the coaches, I was friends with the coach's son. And he didn't believe that, that we were the same age. So like he like brought me and like brought me to McDonald's every week to play on his like playing his like little junior team. And I never picked it back up. I just stuck with basketball from then to yeah, high school. See, that's that's what it is. Everybody was asking for that birth certificate. And you were like, <laughs> dude, I, I swear, I'm I'm 15, man. Yeah. I had a uh, hoop dreams like really bad bad ones for like a really long time so daniel you know there were peewee coaches everywhere with their heart broken that he wasn't playing football for them <laughs> yeah, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you man hey we we all had hoop dreams as well but it really didn't pan out much for us yeah so, hey daniel don't, don't, don't hey don't don't say yourself short you can play basketball in the pool i i, I can hoop <laughs> in the pool man I, i'll i'll take folks to school in the pool man that's that's, that's where it's at but man you know, it, it's crazy to me that you, you stop playing, you come back to it. What was the driving factor to come back to it? Um, I realized, like, I kind of just realized hooping. I stopped growing as much as I, I did. So, like, and I wasn't really in really great basketball shape. So, like, it was just a lot of convincing from my parents and from my local coaches, like, at high school. They finally just talked me into it. And then I ended up like sticking with it. You you mentioned your parents being a driving factor in in making that decision, but you know, as as a young as a young kid, were there any other people that you looked for for inspiration? Was it you know athletes on TV, or was it solely like your your close group of circle, uh, family and friends? It was like close group of circle, family and friends, because like. I didn't really watch football or anything, so I, I honestly didn't even know anything about offense. Like I didn't even know what offensive lineman did when I first started <laughs> playing football. So I had to learn literally everything from how the game really worked to to like the just the basics of it. But being a basketball guy, you had to have a favorite basketball player. That's a fact. Oh yeah, my favorite player, KD. Okay, he's he's pretty good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, man. So, I mean, obviously, as a kid, you, you got your close group of, 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 you know, family and friends that are helping push you in the right direction. You're leaning on them for advice. But now that you're, you're a, a grown ass man, dude, like you're in college, are you still leaning on the same people or is, has that circle, you know, does it include other people now? I mean, it's stayed much like major, majority the same. I haven't, I've gotten like a few new 
friends, but it's just mainly my family and my coaches from high school, the ones that just keep me motivated and stuff. So, X-Man, you mentioned growing up in Mississippi. And tell everybody that doesn't know, where did you go to high school? I went to Olive Branch High School. The Conquistadors. Yep. <laughs> so, looking at the success of Olive Branch football, you were a part of a program from what we could see that went 0-11 to back-to-back 12-2 and seasons while you were there. So, take us through what changed in the culture and in that team for the success to be, that you guys had. So, the 0-11 year, I wasn't even – I didn't even play football then. That was my freshman year. I wasn't even a part of the team, but I joined, I came and joined the team that spring. So when they hired our new head coach, Tyler Turner, and like he, he was the one, he was my first coach there, first in the morning. And he just came in the program knowing it was 0 11. And he just, his main goal was to just flip it, flip the program around, flip the program around and bring us back. And that's exactly what he did. So we could give him the credit, but it's, you didn't play football. Then you did play football. All of a sudden, they're twelve and two. So I think we got to give you some credit. Nah, <laughs> I had really good teammates with me. Get, getting the biggest <laughs> dude in school on the football team is something you got to do as a coach. That's pretty smart by that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you start playing football. What was your favorite season individually, and your favorite as a team as a whole? Um. I would probably say my junior year was my favorite team because that was my first year playing. And it was just new to me. And it was all just the whole experience of playing football on Friday nights. And just, I don't know, it was just something new. So the whole new season, me getting my first offer and everything that season was just like magical, it felt like. I no doubt. So you got speaking of being magical, you get to represent Mississippi in the 2019 Mississippi Alabama Football Classic. So what was that experience like for you? Well, that was really fun. It was I got to practice against the best players in Mississippi and had the best pro like practicing with me. So I get to, I finally got to like see what playing close to like a college level would be like. So that was my first real album when it came to the competition like I'll be facing. No doubt. So taking it back one second, what was your favorite? Who was what was your favorite game or your favorite team that you played against in high school? Um my favorite game was probably when we played Madison Central my senior year. Just because like we it was a tough fought game and we stayed into it and ended up winning off like a game winning touchdown by one of our receivers. And it was just like a whole movie that game felt like. Yeah, no doubt. So you're rated as the number 18 offensive guard in America by rivals. So with that, all the schools that were showing interest, how early did you start getting interest and how, when did that first offer come in? Um, so when I said after I was in the season, I joined the spring, I, I got my first interest from a, from like a Mississippi state head coach. Like he came to practice, he saw me move and everything. He just like put me on his radar kind of. And like that summer, I went to camp there and everything. And he just kept an eye on me. And then after like my, after the regular season, after my final regular season game, my junior year, he finally like, like my tape enough and everything to offer me. So it came not even, not even before my first season was over. Wow. So a lot of guys play football their whole lives and don't get those kind of offers. And you're new to football and getting offers from, you know, SEC football schools, man, that's, that just goes to show the the player and the athlete that you that you were or are. 
but I got to ask you, man. So what were your top three schools? Uh, kind of forgot now, but my top three schools probably coming out. I think, I think I, my top three were like Mississippi State, Alabama, or well not Alabama, uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and LSU by the end of it, I believe. Okay. Well, that, that leads to the question, what made you ultimately choose LSU? Um, see, what really made me choose, I came down there during the 2019 season and when they was playing Florida and it was a night game in Baton Rouge, Bear Valley, and it was everything that they hyped it up to be. So just from that moment, like it was a really good game and it just felt like, I don't know, after they won, whole crowd gets up throwing up the gators and it's just electric in the place and i'm just like i just knew i had to come play there after that yeah so i got a question for you you know i was thinking about it. i was timelining it i was actually messaging with randy while he was talking to you um you know you were t- we we're talking about who you know your favorite teams were to go against um did you get a chance to block and go against the kobe dean uh when he was at horn lake uh yeah i played against him in like a jam my junior year that was the only time i you put him on his yeah. back, didn't you? Uh, I don't remember doing that. So <laughs> uh, he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been listening. You could have got away with it, Xavier. It's all good. <laughs> no, it's actually crazy because me and Kobe, I grew up playing because I went to Horn Lake originally with him and one of the, another player who plays trust plays with me at LSU. So we all hooped on the same AAV team, like for like a, a little minute. We weren't that good, but. But we, yeah, we I thought y'all didn't lose many fights, though. Look, you know I that you didn't. <laughs> Look, Randy, you know that rule we got about not letting folks dunk on us? We'll take them out. I ain't taking any of them out, though. They can dunk. Go ahead. No, look, if they come running down the lane, I'll just get out of the way. I'm making a business decision. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, Xavier, you leave Olive Branch and you get into Baton Rouge. You know, are you more nervous or are you more excited when you get there? Um, my experience also is a little different because I kind of the COVID experience. So like I, I'm, I honestly got to college not knowing if I was gonna play play my my first season or not. So I was like, it was exciting just to get to college and to start going to start practicing and doing other stuff. But it was a little weird just with that transition, not knowing if I'm play, like mass practice. It just didn't feel right at first, but it was still fun nonetheless. Yeah, well, and I know there had to be some excitement, right? You're coming to a team that just, you know, made history, went 15-0 and won a national championship. So, I mean, did that help the hype, of, you know, knowing that you were coming to a school that just accomplished that feat? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I had – we had, like, full trust in Coach O. We was just riding. We was just um, practicing no matter what the circumstance was. We were going 100% like we, was, like we planned to play, even though we knew we couldn't have. Yeah, no doubt. And I was at that Florida two game too myself, by the way. That that trigger was off the chain. So I, I would have wanted to come to LSU after that myself. But uh so you know, you come to a team that lost a lot, but uh, you know, does it add a lot of pressure as a freshman? I know you're talking about the the different scenarios of you didn't know if you're gonna play and then you know, COVID and all that stuff, but like I mean, is there pressure when you come into a team that just won a championship and then, you know, a ton of guys leave? But that also provides opportunity as well. But, I mean, does it put pressure on you to come to a team like that right after they just accomplished that and then those guys left? 
Um, I mean, I wouldn't say pressure because, I mean, I expect greatness. So, I mean, I, I mean, in my head, I was expecting to get ready and like run it back again, like win the national championship. That was my mindset coming in to LSU. Like, so it, it was pressure, but it was like expected pressure. I, I love wouldn't, it. I wouldn't expect it. As an LSU fan, that's what I love to hear. So, you know, you redshirt your freshman year. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of guys, man. The the red shirt, you know, people uh, don't really understand what you can learn in a red shirt season. You know, taking it all in, being able to be a part of the team and, you know, just kind of watch and learn, you know, um, what what do you feel like the most important thing was that you learned as you redshirted the freshman year? Um, the most important thing I learned was just how to practice, like, mainly – how hard to go, when to go hard, always like knowing how to protect the teammates and like also playbook wise. It was just fun getting it, like being able to rep plays and practice and stuff going against the, the new looks. So that was probably the best part for me. So just how hot are those uh, practices out there on the levee, man? Are they, are they like they look in the videos? They look like they're rough. Uh, yeah, they I mean, yeah, they're bad, but when you play college football, I mean, you know what you're coming for. So it's just something I expect. So it's, I just look forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. So last year, you know, you get on the field, you start a few games, you know, talk to us about what it's like when you get on that field in Death Valley, um, playing in front of that crowd, you know, just t talk us through the emotions of when you finally take it on that field and you're doing your job uh, playing in front of your uh, your fans. Uh, on them. I'm still in my first game starting. It was like, I don't know, I just, it just didn't feel real for a minute. Like, I'm, when you just know you, you're going to be the first one to go out there, it's just kind of like you're just taking it all in. And like, whenever we split up their first touchdown, Brandon, it, like, celebrated with the teammates. It just felt like, yeah, like, this is why I came to LSU. Like, I'm, I'm finally doing it. Absolutely. So, you know, clearly there was a coaching change this past year from Coach O who recruited you to Brian Kelly. Um, did that affect you at all personally, you know, being that, you know, the Coach O was, was who brought you in and, you know, that's who you thought you were going to play for is, you know, is it one of those things, man, um, you know, whoever the coach, it doesn't matter, you're, you're LSU and I'm just going to keep on rocking this thing. Um, of course, I'm going to, like, miss the, co the coaching staff that brought me in, but at that point, I, like, I had already, I mean, we had already lost a position coach. So, like, at that point, like, I already just knew, like, this is a, this is a business. Like, stuff happens. Like, I kind of got over it pretty fast. It was just like, I'm ready to rock and roll with this new staff and get the win. Yeah, no doubt. And, and good things are being said about Brian Kelly and, uh, and what he's got cooking down there and also reports on, um, you know, you yourself um, playing in the trenches this year. So, I mean, how excited are you for this upcoming year? And I mean, what do we what do we got to look forward to with LSU, especially me being the, the LSU fan of the group? Uh, well, Y'all going to look forward to a new, just a whole new look about LSU. Like we're a whole, a whole new team mentally, physically. So we're going to, y'all are gonna just going to see a team that's going to be locked in on the little things and just make sure that we can perform every game. 
Yeah, and so, you know, I look at the schedule, and um, I'm going to try to make my way. Me and Randy were actually talking about the, the Tennessee game before this episode, and uh, I try to make, you know, at least a few games a year. Hosting Florida State, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama. You know, of those, is there any game like that you get most excited thinking about um, this upcoming season, or is it all the is it all business all the same? Uh, I feel like it's more all business all the same because, I mean, from playing these last two years, I know that you got to treat every game the same, and you can't be your emotions can't be more high for one game or another game because that's probably going to affect the way you play. So I just try to go in every game level with it. Well, if me and Randy do, in fact, go to the Tennessee game, you can't lose and give him those bragging rights over me, Xavier. You got <laughs> I mean, you, laying folks out. Nobody's getting to the quarterback. Look, if if by chance Tennessee wins the game, I won't talk any smack to you, Xavier, I promise. It'll all be the gym. You'll never hear it. <laughs> so, Xavier, I, I do have a question, and I, I've always wondered this, you know, you know, when you're playing in the SEC, obviously you have to win and the expectations and, and what a coach has to do is at a very, very high level. So like coming in, you know that if things don't go as well as they should, there could be a potential coaching change. Now, when you find out that there's going to be a coaching change, was there any trepidation on whether you think that your position there is at jeopardy or was it something that you know the coaches are going to sit down they're going to talk to me we're going to hash this out and and there will be a place for me here or was there some fear as far as maybe maybe I'm going to hit the transfer portal or you know was being at LSU ever not in the cards um no me personally I never thought about like if I'm gonna have, a, if I'm not gonna have a place here or not, um, I know that. I mean, I just thought of it as a fresh start because I mean, even if I was to hit the portal or anything, like it would have just been the same thing. It would have been a new, a new coaching staff at a new place, which is basically what I was getting here. So I just wanted to, and but since I came to, since I chose to come to LSU, I wanted to just stick it out and like ride out with Coach together. No doubt. One last question before we get to the this or that, though, is obviously when you see the guys that like in the media, Brian Kelly and Coach L are very different personalities. Can you speak to like, uh, is it a lot different in practice or when they're just having team meetings or a different vibe or a different culture that they bring? Yeah, Coach Kelly is more of a, like, he's a very accountable person. Like, he wants to build us up as men. Like, he's always talks about graduating champions. So that's something that he wants to do. So he wants us to be more structured, always be on time, make sure we're always in the right place and do what we have to do. And I, I really like that about him because it's it's really it's like rubbing off on us and it's making like my life easier just being more accountable. No doubt. So I gotta ask you one last question. I said it was one more, but this is it. Were there ever times when Coach O's yelling and you have no idea what he was saying? <laughs> uh, I don't want to answer. <laughs> okay. The answer is yes, obviously. <laughs> I mean, uh, they really had trouble understanding the coach. Really like, uh, but I'm, I'm really not here to talk about. That's my, that's my guy. Hey, you ain't, you ain't every, if you can't have fun talking about Coach O, man, that, that dude is fantastic. I'm going to miss him. Well, 
I had to turn the subtitles on, and even the subtitles didn't get it right. So there, there you go, man. So, all right, Xavier, man, let's let's move into a game real quick before we let you bounce. You down to play? Yes, sir. All right, it's called this or that. I give you two options. All you got to do is pick one option or the other. I uh, can't say both, can't say neither. Just be decisive and pick whichever one just, just pulls at your heart. Um, so first question. Would you rather run block or would you rather pass block? Run block. Do you do you get more satisfaction if you're back, you know, you, you block and the back hits the hole and, and goes for a big gain or even takes it to the house? Is that more satisfying or, you know, holding protection for a long time, letting the quarterback move around and make a big play? What's more satisfying? I would say probably the running back. Just to like whenever you create a hole and then you just feel the running back like breeze by you and then you just look up and everybody's just running on the way to the end zone, which is different. But um, that's, that's a real tough question. I'd probably say what point running back then. All right. What's better, food in Baton Rouge or food in North Mississippi? I'm going to go Baton Rouge unless my mom's cooking. <laughs> great right. answer would you rather be funny or be smart S- smart because you can be funny what's smart so i thought say smart all right would you rather go to any concert or any sporting event sporting event and what what event like is there one event in particular where you're like man that's the one that i gotta go to Either I probably say either Game Seven of like NBA Finals or Super Bowl probably or College or Super Bowl. Yeah, I had a feeling he might say NBA Finals after the KD answer. <laughs> yeah, I like. So if, would you rather a, go ahead? I was saying like if it's a specific one, I mean I I want to be at that Game Seven. With, and the Warriors that one year. How, how do you feel about how, you know, being from Olive Branch, Olive Branch just around the corner, you know, how do you feel about the, the Grizzlies? You like you like them next-gen Grizzlies? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Grizzlies fan, but, like, I, I definitely appreciate the talent. Like, job, man, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, I appreciate all of them guys. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I know they're really fan too, but I'm just not a fan of them myself. All right, we can respect that. I can respect that. That's all good. All right, man. Would you would you rather go to outer space or the bottom of the sea? Outer space. Outer space. Do you think we're the only people in the universe? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I'm probably the only people, but not the only beings. Because I mean, it's just, like space is so big. Like I probably, I can't say what only like gotta be something else out there but but here's here's the thing i I was i laughed because last time daniel decided to ask that question brooks lee went on a whole rabbit hole about ufos and i was that's why i laughed i was like i can't (laughs) believe you ever asked that again yeah it's uh it's 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 strange to to think that there could be like another planet of like us somewhere else but it's hard to believe that there's not either so I don't know, man. I don't know what's out there. I, I think I'd rather go down 
and see what's up. No, I don't want to know what's at the bottom of the sea, my guy. I'm man, it gets dark down there. No, because <laughs> I know for a fact there's some scary things in the sea. Oh, for, sh- for sure. All right, would you, would you rather be the hero or the villain? I guess I would be the hero. It's just, I, I, that's a tough one to put it, but look, so, somebody said, "Give me a hero and a villain on the episode," and I said, "Batman and Joker," and then they quickly switched the villain. They're like, "Oh, Joker all day." No, I'd rather be Batman. Batman. Yeah, hundred percent. Dark Knight. All right. Would you rather spend ten years in a coma or five years in jail? <laughs> you stumped me with this one. Probably in a coma. Good answer. Good answer. I can tell you. I'm telling you, see, that's that's my answer. I, I know what I'm good at. I know I could take a nap and I could sleep really good. So it's give me just that. funny, Daniel, because the dude who could actually hold his own in jail is the one who took coma and all these little skinny dudes gonna come on here talking about jail. Because they lying, bro. They lying. He we got a straight we got a straight shooter on top of the fact that when we asked him what would he rather be funny or smart, he says smart, and this is the smart answer. Exactly. This is, this is it. So we got the right. U- you got the UFC fighter and the college football guys that are taking the nap. That is so interesting. Yep, love it, love it. All right, Xavier, last question, man. Would you rather be the first pick in the NFL draft? But the only caveat to that is all your friends can no longer be your friends. You got to find new ones. Or would you rather be the last pick in the draft and keep all your friends? <laughs> that's hard because I mean, I feel like my friends would like Ra- Randy friends. can tell you that this question is not hard hey go look at the life Joey V's living and, re- and, and then think about it for one second give me the I mean, money my friends, would, my friends would probably stop being my friends if I didn't take the first round draft because they would think I'm stupid there you go <laughs> yeah and you said you were smart so that, I like there it, it is there it is all right, Xavier, man, anything you want to plug or promote before we let you bounce? Uh, I mean, I guess just my Instagram is on Xavier Hill Zero. Or, you know, I think it's underscore Xavier Hill. There you go. See, typically I have to do that for people. They'll come on here and go, no, I'm good. There's nothing I want to promote. And then I have to throw out the Instagram handle or their socials out there. Well, see, tonight, you're the smart man. You already was prepared. You had it for me, man. that's right follow him check him out know what he's doing got a big big season for you guys coming up man we wish you the very best if there's anything that we can do for you please reach out to us man yes sir i will all right that's xavier hill we're gonna take a break we're gonna plug them sponsors you got a lot of sponsors to throw your way when we come back we're gonna talk a little headlines for you are you looking to buy or sell a home Q is your guy, Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench and Ole Miss alumni who is with REMAX, is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. 
I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. All right, boys, so you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary, pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the and off the bench podcast. We got some headlines for you leading off Jim. I'm going to go to you first. We got college baseball. I got uh, national champion, newly crowned Ole Miss takes it down. And, and man, I, I guess we got to throw some apologies out there. Cause there were multiple times where we said that Ole Miss wasn't even the best team in the state of Mississippi. And here they are, you know, taking the crown, man. What are, what are your final thoughts on the season and Omaha and, you know, all that good stuff? Well, you know, if you, if you go back to the preseason, you know, the positive things being said about them about from us was we expected an Omaha team. This was the team we expected. The problem was, Throughout the middle of the season, you know, they had to come apart. You know, a lot of that, you know, Kevin Kevin Graham got hurt and then the pitching just wasn't doing its job. And so the interesting, like, point is, like, so when people talk about Oklahoma, right, Oklahoma was never supposed to be where they were, right? They are legitimate Cinderella because I watched them in the Shriners Classic get whooped. I watched them be mediocre. They were never ranked in the top 25, whereas Ole Miss was ranked number one at one point. The expectations were high. So what happened was Oklahoma got red hot and they kind of were a Cinderella team. Ole Miss finally played to the team that they were supposed to be. Why it took so long? Beyond me. You know, they talk about a lot of players within that clubhouse, you know, that, that finally spoke up and got them on track. And then I think also has to do with, you know, the three of us have talked about it, playing with house money. If you ask me and I'll tell any of them Ole Miss guys straight to their faces as, you know, as guys that we know and friends with, NC State should have had that last bid. And Ole Miss shouldn't have been in there, but they nonetheless got in there. And so with that, you're playing, you're playing with, you know, house money. You didn't even expect to be there. And so now just go out there and play free, play loose, have fun. And they did. And they got hot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we've said it before that it's extremely difficult just to make it into postseason. It's even harder to make it to Omaha and almost virtually impossible to, to do it all and win it all and given the way that their season went up and down it they started peaking at the right time they started playing well they got hot and before you know it they're sitting two and oh and they're in the driver's seat and they're in a really good position yeah i mean i got Um, to see the start of that peak remember live in person unfortunately i went to baton rouge and watched them absolutely you know whoop tail off tigers and then you know, they go sweep Missouri right after that. You know, they lost the game in Hoover, so people were kind of – but, I mean, that wasn't – clearly that wasn't enough for the committee to keep them out. And so we take away that one loss. They had won six straight SEC games to close the season. Um, and then, you know, just – I mean, they caught fire. I do think, you know, people talk about the draw they got. Um, 
I laugh because, you know, you play who's in front of you, and so you can't say nothing about them guys. But we we did have a lot of jokes about fraud you, right? Like, so, so it was funny that they ended up in Miami's, in Miami's region. Well, Randy, tip of the hat to you, man. You, you went in and you said Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and damn it, if that didn't happen. What uh, what were your thoughts? But, I mean, before that, like, why Ole Miss, why Oklahoma, why did you choose those two teams? I think what we've seen in College World Series for a long time is it's not always the best team, it's the hottest team. And what Ole Miss was able to do at the last part of the season, like Jim just talked about, um, they got some pitching. They always had the bats. They got some pitching. Hunter Elliott coming on in a big way. We kind of knew what Delucia was. You saw Bianco move the rotation around um, and go with some young guys. He put some trust in those young guys, and they came through in a big way. Uh, as far as Oklahoma, there was not a hotter team in college baseball than them. Um, I mean, they ran through the Big 12 tournament. They ran through the regional, super regional, you know, ran through the College World Series until they got to Ole Miss. And I think that what happened was they got punched in the mouth and uh, to their credit, they came back in, in game two and put up a lot more of a fight. But watching Ole Miss, it seemed like Jim said they were playing a lot more free. Um, some guys. And, you know, the leadership there, nobody questions like Tim Elko. Nobody questions Bianco. But I think um, things just had to break right. We don't, like I said, it doesn't have to be the best team. We saw at Mississippi State last year. I'm fully on board now with Tennessee for the future. Go one and done in Hoover, get back home, get some rest, and get ready for the reason. I mean, that's what I told Dolander. I was like, don't go in as the number one ranked team. If you have to get swept the, you know, final, you know, series of the season, you know, so be it. But, you know, I, I asked you this, Randy, talking about Delucia. We we had a lot of fun as at his expense because he, he made, I mean, not just by our accounts. I talked to a lot of people. They thought his comments after the Tennessee series were, were, were pretty, you know, he's an upcoming guest. So I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say any mean words, but he said they didn't prepare themselves and take it seriously when Tennessee came to town. And which is just, you know, d- dumb to say the number five teams coming to your house and you don't <laughs> prepare. But here's the thing. He said it won't happen again. And of course, Ole Miss still had ups and downs, but him personally after that was money. So you got to give the kid his due because he came out and made a statement, a bold statement that can get you in trouble a lot of times and absolutely took care of business. If, if I was him, I would do it every year. <laughs> if, if this is the result, every year, I'm just going to run my mouth. I agree. I mean, and, but, and I think, too, you talked about matchups. You do play who's in front of you, and they did their job, and they had some, you know, some tough games, but they pulled them out. It's all about matchups. No different than the NCAA basketball tournament. It was about matchups. They got a favorable draw, especially for the last team to get in, and they took care of business. You can't take anything away from Ole Miss. And the fact that we have a, you know, back-to-back-to-back SEC champions, but back-to-back State of Mississippi champions, uh, it's something special. Yeah, and and Delucia out Dylan Nolan. I mean, Nolan couldn't have been better for Arkansas to get to that that series against Oklahoma and that's ultimately why he's most outstanding player because I mean Arkansas was legit that's why I picked them you know obviously I I owned it on social media and everything and so I thought Arkansas was going to be able to take that and Ole Miss proved me wrong on that as far as the Hunter Elliott talking about being right guys when we had him on the show I told you me and Carrico and you know Daniel you you play with Carrico you know he knows baseball he he said that day 
you know, he went out on a limb, and I'm not saying that he is better than Brady Tiger, but he watched that game, and he said, that kid right there, he said, I know everybody's here to see Tiger, and he said, that kid right there is the real deal. That's the one I'm watching. And so, I mean, and then look what he does on the biggest stage. So let me ask you this, Jim. If, if let's say Oklahoma wins game two, who has the better opportunity based on matchups and pitching and what's left and like who, who wins game three? Well, well, I mean, you're coming back with Delusia, and some would say short rest, but you just got to look back to last year with Mississippi State, and Will Bednar did that, and he came out and he was sensational. So a lot of people say that these guys can't do it, but we've, we've seen it time and time again. We actually have seen it even in this run. Um, Nolan did it for Arkansas when he, when he was great against Ole Miss. So these guys, you know it. You were a pitcher. You know, they, they say, you know, short rest, they give you all that. But, man, when these guys, it's the last game and you have the availability to kind of stretch it out further, they can get it done. It would have been yeah. interesting, though, because we've never seen Bianco do that. You, no matter what was on the line in the past, he has never done that. Well, and that's so, why he won I the think... chess match of waiting till game two for Hunter Elliott because everybody thought he was going to throw Hunter Elliott game one, and he said he wanted to give him – adequate rest so he was at his best for game two and that was well done because he he stole game one and then was able to get Elliott out there for game two I mean and yeah I, I agree with you and they had a great pitching performance in game one too but I a lot of the talk was from you know Craig Rodriguez former Ole Miss player he said that they went to game three he thought they would throw diamond first go through the lineup once and then bring Delusia in to me if you're going to throw Delusia at all you might as well start him yeah the, and well I think the reason why the diamond thing being that I went and watch Diamond pitch on quite a few occasions. Diamond had this weird thing about being fantastic to start games, and then he'd get around the fourth or fifth. First time through the line. Yeah, and so that's why that might have made sense to a lot of people. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me, though, because if you're on – though it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you're on three days rest, you're still on three days rest. All I know is, Daniel, I'm going to say this, you know, to to end my thoughts on college baseball. Next year, mine and Randy's team are competing for it all. I'm just telling you, because LSU's loading, loading up. Tennessee is already loaded up, coming back. Go ahead and lock it up. LSU, Tennessee, we're going to be in Omaha. We're doing the damn thing. So, Ole Miss is going to be like Mississippi State this year because they are losing mm-hmm. everybody, except, except for Hunter Elliott, of course. I mean, he'll be a stud. I mean, they're not going to be bad, I don't think. Not as bad as State was this year. But, man, they're losing a lot. You, you know who's not losing a lot? Tennessee. DBU. <laughs> well, I mean, bringing it bringing it back all they can do is go up i guess that's that's right i, t- I tell you they if you don't if you don't win it all if you don't win it all you can always improve a, t- a team that's got to really rebuild uh randy they showed the list of what arkansas was losing and i didn't realize it was that bad yeah a lot of older guys i mean you know you brought up something earlier db about you know if bianco didn't get it done would he be in jeopardy of losing his job and i would just point to dave van horn as the example of no, he would not have lost his job because guys that get there and just don't win it, they're still successful. And those two guys have literally built those programs. So I don't think that you see one bad year would, wouldn't have gotten Bianco fired unless there was, you know, super extenuating circumstances. And Van Horn's a great example of that. He's not going to lose his job ever. Jim, would you say Ole Miss was the most surprising team in Omaha? No, not at all, because like – Randy said, by the time they had gotten there, um, as the captain kept saying repeatedly, don't let us get hot. They were hot by the time they got there. Um, I was was surprised that they were able to run through the regionals and super regionals so effortlessly and even into the way they won the first two games in Omaha. But, I mean, 
I'm not surprised that they won it all. You know, Randy made the pick, and the only reason I didn't make the pick was because I honestly just thought Arkansas had more talent. And I mean, I was wrong. But I, I mean, Ole Miss, like I said, they were ranked number one. Daniel, I mean, let's not forget. I mean, this team was loaded, and so all the they did was. was Go ahead. Jim said it already. The most surprising team was Oklahoma from what they came from two months before we saw them there. And at real quick, one thing that I that I wanted to bring up on the show, and I waited to – I don't even think we've talked about this in real time. I know that it was the right call on runner's interference, but I fucking hate that rule. It's dumb because the bag is in play. In fair territory. But, but so your ass is going to got to be in foul territory to get into fair territory at the last second. And once again, it explains why Chris Burke is the best in the game because live on the air, he said clearly, I hate this rule, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to get overturned because by the letter of the law, he is he's interfering and he says it's an unfortunate situation but it's going to happen it's something we need to change he addressed they gotta change it yeah because let me tell you especially because that ball for one the runner scoring no matter what it was a suicide secondly the ball wasn't catchable the ball was thrown into where the runner was so that rule is and and whatever Ole Miss wins that's great I'm happy for him go ribs but that rule is atrocious I and I'll ask you this Randy because you're you know talking about the the Oklahoma man uh, you know, I picked Notre Dame from that side. Um, you know, for Notre Dame, let me ask you, because Brannigan's our next guest, like, for them to knock off Tennessee, do you think they felt like coming to Omaha? Obviously, they know that there's seven teams that are just as hungry as they are, but do you think that they felt like after beating Tennessee it was theirs to win? I don't think they – and I, don't, I only say that because those guys are all, like, 30 years old. I don't think they <laughs> thought like that. I think they ran into a buzzsaw, and, you know, they – I mean – Oklahoma was so hot. They were just – and they were so aggressive all postseason long that it came back to bite them against Ole Miss in the first game because they were swinging at everything coming in there. But, no, I don't think Notre Dame thought like that. They just ran into a team that was hotter than they were. You think Notre Dame was – I mean, I, I hate to say it with Jack Brannigan coming on, but were they the most disappointing team in Omaha? Absolutely. Yeah, After given, you knock off the best – Well, no, I don't know. Texas has got a legit case. They went over uh, two and maybe. they exited – but, I mean, Texas has just gotten smoked by Oklahoma in the Big 12. So, I think Texas was kind of up and down all year. They got the best player in college baseball, but I don't think that that means you got the best team. The, For Notre Dame to knock off what you what everybody would lay out as the best regular season team we've seen in forever, maybe – and then to for that to be your performance, I would I would yeah, go Notre Dame. You can make a case for either, but I'll tell you this: Texas got sent home by Texas A and M of all teams. You know that's strong. Oof. All right, so before we before we jump out of this last little bit, you got to make a choice right now, Jim. Who who wins it all next year? Tennessee. Randy, who wins it all next year? Southern Miss. No, no. <laughs> That's uh, what everybody wants to happen. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to go with Tennessee because I think they're, you know, for all the reasons that I'm sure Jim's thinking, you're bringing in uh, one of the – what was either the first or second best transfer next to Tommy White and Maui Ahuna to take over shortstop. You're bringing back a lot of guys, Dolander Burns. They're bringing back a ton of talent. I mean, when you Tony got your weekend rotation, here. when you got your weekend rotation, like obviously the batting lineup, they got guys come back. But I just start with that weekend rotation. The whole rotation's come back because remember, Blade came in in the midway. You have your starting rotation back, a team that was number one. But the problem I have is, uh, and I ask you these guys, Daniel, as you say, we finish up. You know, 1999 was the last team at number one overall. Like. Is man, is that curse real? Like, I mean, is is the number one team gonna be able to get to it? It's ever? gotta be. 
I, I, I hate to believe in that, but baseball is a very superstitious game. Like it's, it's hard not to. You're talking um, about 23 years since it happened, man. And a I, number one team can't get there. It's not even that they, it's not even that they don't win. Randy, wasn't it? They had only like one of, one of the teams in those past like 23 years actually even made it to the final. Yeah, most of them don't even make it out of the regionals. I just think, I, I just think, you know, baseball especially is very matchup dependent, but it's always like you have not like the David versus Goliath effect. Like every, like you always end up inevitably having like a lower tier team facing you as the number one and you're going to get their best and it's just a grind. And sometimes you just can't grind through it. Um, I blame the NCAA because Notre Dame was criminally underseated. <laughs> Shouldn't even be coming to Knoxville, but DB, I got a question and, and I, I read this and I think it might be true. Jim for you too. Even though Oklahoma lost, obviously you got that, that bitter taste in your mouth. Could you not still make a case that they were the most impressive team in the postseason? Not named no miss. I mean, I'll go ahead and answer. I thought Daniel was going to. I, I would definitely say they were, and and I want to include that Big Twelve tournament in that postseason run because it started there. Because you had Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Texas who were considered the top three teams, and they ran through them, then ran through regional, super regionals, and Omaha. So yes, I would say undoubtedly the most impressive. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to to put them in that that category. I mean you. You know, to me, I think they get overshadowed in baseball um, by the Texas. Um, and, you know, they're they're always going to be, I think, second tier to Texas. Maybe not so much anymore. They might be on even playground. But even teams, you know, like Texas Tech and then Oklahoma State, where you're now having to battle, you know, teams within the Big 12 to, to even – it's almost like the SEC where it begins to be a crapshoot and a battle so hard um, throughout the season that when you do play like they did, it, it is pretty impressive. So. Well, think about this. You're fixing to have Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. So, I mean, this mm -hmm. is going to get real thick. Yeah. In two more years. It's going to get, it's going to be popping. It's going to be popping for sure. Well, guys, I think we, we, we've done enough of college baseball. Uh, we'll we'll talk more next week when Jack Brannigan joins us. But I want I want to talk a little NHL. Jim, did you get a chance to watch the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, man. You might get mad at me if I tell you that the only game I watched was Game Three and they won. And so you're gonna say, why didn't I watch more? But you know. Yeah, I mean it, it's yes, you should have watched more. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I only watched one game, but I listened to the analysis on the radio every day. I even called you and told you about some of them talking about, you know, your goalie and and how he's only allowing, you know, under two goals when when they uh, lose the game after they lose a game. That's why I felt confident that they were going to come back and uh, and win. And so listen to that. It's, you know, they talked about the the offense of the Avalanche and how they can get at you quick and, you know, obviously uh, – Tampa's more of a methodical team, all that. I, I was listening to all that, so I didn't get to watch it. But, I mean, you know, you asked me before this show started, um, based upon everybody's opinion I had, without me having any kind of superior hockey knowledge, it seemed like people still felt like, because how much of a juggernaut Tampa was, that they were still going to come back and win this no matter what. Yeah, I mean, they, they got down two games against New York, 2-0, came back and, you know, blitzed off four in a row. 
Um, they drop the first game in every series. Um, so it, it wasn't any anything. It wasn't anything big for them to have to battle back um, down 2-0. I think the problem with a team like the Avalanche is that they can not only they're skilled, you know, stick handlers and puck handlers, but their goalie is is decent. Um, but they're fast and athletic and young, and you know they they swept Edmonton, so they had four games where they, you know, it wasn't a breeze, I wouldn't say, but they win four games, they have some time off, and then they come back and they got the Lightning, who just had to grind through a six-game series against a really good, you know, New York Rangers team. And so then you drop two. The first one you drop in overtime. The second one you get blown out. You come home. You figure out a way to win. You blow them out pretty good. And then game four, you lose another one in overtime. So you're down three to one. You steal one in Colorado, which was was big. Um, but then you come back home and there's the atmosphere's right. You know everybody's right. You go out. You score um, early um, and you just didn't have the steam to kind of match them late in the games. And you saw it, especially last night and those overtime games, you just pressing so hard. They ran out of steam. I mean, we got Braden point who's not playing, he's injured and he's, you know, arguably the best player on the team. Um, and one of the youngest. So you take that youth off. It, it really kind of makes your shifts and makes your, your, your positioning off. Um, but my hat's off to them. They, they battled, they had a chance to win. They just couldn't get it done. Hey, I'll give, I'll give a silver lining on it. Um, you know, you called me like 11, 15 our time, so 12, 15 your time. And I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm like, uh, I was like, why is Daniel calling me? And he's just calling to tell me how amazing the lightning game was in the playoffs. Once again, um, uh, you know, any year that he's went to the game, he stands firm on it. It's something, Randy, we got to find a way to do it. You know, obviously not Nashville because you hate Nashville, but we got to find. Uh, that's, I've been there. I've been in Nashville. Predators games are lit. But you've been there for a playoff game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's oh, the only okay. one I went to. Okay. And so I, I guess I got to do it. But Rand, or Daniel, you know, swears that you won't find a better sporting event. Yeah. And Tampa Bay, believe this, the Lightning have sold out more games than – the Bucks ever thought about selling out. Certainly more than the Rays. <laughs> Certainly more than the Rays. I didn't even put them in the category. I don't even think they're a Tampa team. St. <laughs> Pete. St. Pete. Um, but, you know, at, at this point, you know, it, there's – it's it's hard to say this, but I think this might be the end of this, this run for the Lightning. They're going to have to make some decisions in the offseason. They're going to have to uh, decide either to – hold on to vets or, you know, embrace some youth, but either way, I think there's going to be, I think they could still make the playoffs and, you know, given the guys they have, they can always make a run, but I don't think they're going to be the juggernaut that they've been over the past few seasons. So, but you know, you never know. Anything they, 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 I mean, they've definitely, man, when you went back to back titles and still make it to the finals the next, I mean, Still tipping your cap. I mean, they they were right there again. It's legit. So let's go on to the NBA. And Randy, I know this is this. You've been waiting for this. You've been waiting to talk about 
you know, Grizz, Warriors, Beef, Draymond being in his fields and what's going on. But let's start. Let's let's before we get to that, let's start with this. All right. How do you feel about Warriors winning at all? Are you okay with that? Or yeah. you, no. all I, right. I'm fine with that because I don't, you know, the uh, the Celtics are who I said they were. That that's they the thing. That, that's why he's that's why he's okay with it because I have to eat it that Tatum was a complete no show and you can't even call him a superstar because superstars don't <laughs> go to the NBA finals and no show. There's a lot of times that you can you're debating about whether a guy does this and a guy does that, but there's literally no debate. Jason Tatum let his team down because Jalen Brown did not. Marcus Smart did didn't do what he thought he did because he pretty much called out Jalen and uh, uh, Marcus. Uh, Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum to be the guy, to be the superstar, to be the one that gets put up on the pedestal and the guy that got all this love for going through the East like he did. And he did a great job. When you get to that moment and you shrink like he did, it's, it's an excuse. And, and the thing I wasn't buying, and the thing I wasn't buying was, you know, they're like, oh, he's 24 years old, man. He's been playing in the, in the East playoffs and making it to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times. Like, he's been in the playoffs, what, I think every year of his career, right, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. like all five years, and he's made it to the East yeah. Conference. He does, like, this shouldn't, be a, this shouldn't be a scene that he's scared of. But, but what, what player that is at the top tier has been able to use that as their excuse? None. None. Even James Hart. No, no, even LeBron James. Well, I was going to say, even James Harden, when he was the sixth man on Oklahoma City, didn't escape being the guy who disappeared on them when they got worked by the, the Heat because he was a no-show. And he was the third guy on that team, and he couldn't escape it. Well, I'm just talking about the age and the youth and, you know, no just being – yeah, like I, that is that, – that's not an excuse. If, if you're going to – ask for the money and ask to be the guy, then you got to take everything that comes with being the guy. I, I think the best statement was made was, you know, everybody saying they wish the Bucks would have found a way to be there because Giannis would not have let you down. They may have not won. That is not what they're saying, but they wouldn't have, he wouldn't have let you down like Tatum let you down. Well, the thing about it that really stood out to me was that you saw like in game one and even in game two, the Celtics' game plan and their defense really, really, really gave the Warriors problems. What happened and what we have not seen in any of the other four or three titles before this from the Warriors was that Steph Curry was the superstar. He completely took over the series, and they had no answer because Draymond, and we'll get into this in a second, he was fucking awful. Like, I don't care if anybody, oh, well, he was so great defensively. No, he wasn't. I, I want to I want to stay on the Curry thing before before you hit that Draymond thing. So they came out with a list of top ten players after Steph had done that, and they had him at nine, right behind the number eight Kobe. Are you okay with Steph being that close to Kobe? Wait, there was there was there was seven players in front of Kobe. Yeah, that bothered me within itself, but I don't even want to. I'm not even going to address that. I just want to know: Do you feel good with Steph being the next guy behind Kobe? That's a that's a. I, I don't feel like that. I like. I get he's the greatest shooter of all time, but I feel. I just feel like it's not that close yet. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at accolades, and he's a four-time champion. But the, what Kobe was able to do was so much more than just offense. Like he was, he would guard the other player's best player. Like he was an elite. I'm not like we like we talk about with LeBron and um, Michael Jordan. They they both got it done both ways and carried their team on their back. Yeah. Steph Curry's never going to be on an all-defensive team. Never. None of that. <laughs> Ever. Ever. 
so let's let's get into it obviously the warriors win it all randy and you know instead of being in that moment celebrating and 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 talking about his team Draymond's out there talking oh, about the, the hold on it wasn't Dre first, first. it's Clay uh, Thompson it Clay 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 out there talking about the Grizz hence the rest of the team talking about the Grizz what, yeah what's up with that so you think that you just won your fourth title you came off for ACL injury then you came off an Achilles like I, I'm I'm gonna enjoy this I'm gonna celebrate this but no you know what Clay Thompson did Clay Thompson, the same guy whose father manages his money to this day. He going to say, back in March, Jaron Jackson – no, he didn't even say his name. He said a Grizzly player tweeted strength in numbers, and that pissed him off. Now, that was after the Grizzlies had just ransacked the Warriors and the Warriors didn't play anybody. But I got to ask you guys, Jim, both of us are known to be pretty petty, right? But if I won my fourth title – and I got carried along the way because Clay really, I mean, he, did, he we didn't see game six, Clay. Am I going to be thinking about Jaron Jackson Jr., a team that has never won a title, a team that's just coming up? Why are you thinking about us? Why are we in this head, baby? Right. That's on on top of the fact that you just, they beat, just beat, you them. beat them. And Clay, Clay did. He did. He was game six, Clay, against the Grizzlies. Yeah, he, it, it, he, it was him. It is something that Randy has taught me about a lot, a lot over the last few years about living rent free in that headspace. And boy, the Grizzlies are living there. But DB, to your point, Draymond, of course, he's he got his podcast, does great work, all that jazz. But this man, first of all, Clay Thompson, he wasn't done after the press conference. This is right after they win the title. He's being petty about that. Then they go to the parade. He's at the uh, Grizzlies Twitter account on Instagram. And then Draymond gets all up in it in his fields and starts yelling, whoop that trick. They're playing whoop that trick in the club. Steph's dancing. What it showed me was the Grizzlies are what we thought they were. They're relevant in not only the NBA's mind, but in the Warriors' mind. Because you got a team that we all know is they just won the title, but they're at the peak and then they're headed down. The Grizzlies are on their way up and they're living rent free. And let me and let me let me there. ask you a question, Randy. With the way the Grizzlies mindset is built. I think this is bad strategy on the Warriors' part because these these are kind of guys that play off that fuel. Like you know, some 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 guys don't necessarily. You could talk that talk; it's not going to really do much. But the way these young Grizz are built, you're just throwing gasoline on a fire. Oh, they want it. I'm gonna tell you what else it did, and this is how you know we have a superstar. A hundred dollars to anybody who wants to bet it. The Grizzlies and Warriors will be playing on Christmas Day. Now that Draymond and Job ja both said it on Twitter, and Job ja said we we will come to your block. That's fine. We on your block. Hey, it's it's like when when a team beats another team and the team that they beat has a superstar. The superstar has an awesome game and they go in the post post conference and they go, hey, man, you know, they played a, a hell of a game. So and so is an incredible talent, like big things in the future. Basically, that's what the Warriors are doing right now with the Grizzlies. They know where the talent is they know what the future holds they're giving them their post-conference accolades right now and basically saying hey like you know you guys are going to be great i mean that, that's yet. how you, I know, see you know what i thought of the equivalent was i was thinking about how when the saints beat the the bucks twice in the regular season but then the bucks beat them in the playoffs and won it all uh, you didn't you didn't see the bucks coming talking about you know what had happened in the regular season and saying Tom Brady and them boys didn't give a shit about the Saints. They were in the rear view. 
That's that's Tom what champs is do. Petty. Yeah, and that's what champs do. They didn't say the Saints were not in their mentions at all. They they wasn't even a thought. They said, you know, we're we're gonna celebrate tonight, but tomorrow we're gonna be focused on next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're fo- we're focused on defending. Yeah. Man, any anything else about NBA, Jim, or Randy? That we that we gotta hit anything with the Grizz Warriors beef. I, I agree. I think I got one. Stay. We're going. We're going. Yeah, see I, I, I had one too. Uh, the Grizzlies picked up a sorry Tennessee. No, that wasn't in. I was just gonna say. Oh, uh, that that we. I guess we do need to go there. But go ahead, Randy. Breaking news: John Wall has agreed to a buyout with the Houston Rockets and is signing with the LA Clippers. Mm. In news that nobody gives a fuck about. John Wall, <laughs> you're not and, you're not him anymore. Hey, let, let me ask you and, this, Randy. This is what I want to talk about. Go ahead. And to the hold, to the Clippers, that's not getting it done. <laughs> that ain't making you him. <laughs> that ain't. You better have Kawhi's back too. But uh, Randy, uh, would you agree? You know, I, I listened to all the analysis because um, I didn't actually get to watch the draft. Um, Detroit won the draft. Oh yeah, they did for sure. They did for sure. I, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a homer when it comes to this, but a lot of people had a problem with the Grizzlies draft, and I think we have to just give them their flowers and say it could turn out to be the best because that last year everybody hated it too. year before that, nobody, you know. So, yeah, but well, absolutely well, on draft day, Detroit got it. So, let me tell you, this, since you brought it there, so with Melton gone, are they going to be able to retain the services of um, – dang, this is my blank. Or back Kais Jones. Kais Jones. Yeah, they're going to be able to yes. retain the services. Yeah. You know, Anthony Stain, who's a, a Memphis uh, sportscaster, he, he said something months ago that, that really stood out to me at the time because I thought he was crazy. He said that the Tyus Jones uh, infatuation and everybody wants to sign him as a free agent is the most made-up story in the NBA. And I'm like, man, this dude's crazy. That guy's a baller. And so far, he's been 100% right. It is, there's been no – there's been nothing. He should have made a deal by now, right? He, there's nothing. So I think he's back. And I think that he'll – what you're going to see, though, is that Zaire Williams is going to just move right into the Melton role, which I think that we all agree he's better at this point. Right, I right. hate to see Melton go because I like that dude. So but I the think gri- we get the Grizzlies back. went backwards none and went forwards based upon what happened on draft night, you'd say. Absolutely. Because, look, I'm, a t- hey, I'm, I'm here for sexy thick. My boy, my boy out there, 275, <laughs> and he, he coming in, son. So they might be the most fun summer league team uh, in, in the NBA. There you have how, it. How – how many of them are actually going to play? Well, uh, I mean, all the rookies. I think Zaire would still probably play. Zaire is still playing. He'll probably win summer league MVP. You know, no big deal. I just hope he gets to like 185 pounds on his seven foot frame. Jeez, my. I do know this, DB. He looks like you're a totally see. different dude. He you're needs to see. He needs to take some of Loft Lofton's weight. Loft- put it on, put it on him. Yeah, Lofton could you say, but what you will see is John ja Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., probably Dylan Brooks, and hopefully gets traded. But you're gonna <laughs> see those guys are gonna be in Vegas, right? They're gonna be there cheering on that young team because this team's got chemistry, man. There's the culture, strength in numbers, right. strength in numbers, baby. They said, hey, guess what, Ja? I'm gonna need you to get your boys, and we'll pay for you to come to Vegas. Guess what? You don't even have to play. Just party. Just just show up. So, Randy, Daniel asked us who was who we had to pick to win college baseball next year if we had to pick right now. And I don't feel like this is a homer pick. Would you pick the Grizzlies if you had to pick a team right now? To win it? 
I mean, I would love nothing more than that, but I, man, that's so hard. I, yeah, I would, Jim. Let's put it on here. Let's manifest Daniel, it. Daniel, you picking it? He won't do it. If you do it, I'll do it. We'll go all three. We'll roll. Oh, Lord. Uh, you know, when you garner attention from the world champs on the day after they win it all, I think that's saying something. I think that's a, a good omen. When you are the toughest out that the defending champs had to go through, and you could argue that you prepared them to win it all by be, having to beat you, and then looking at the pieces that are there, the pieces that are coming back, I think. Give me the Grizz. Give me the Grizz. Three across. We got it. It's happening. We're speaking into existence. Let's do it. All right, guys. Last thing. We got we got MLB. We got to talk Grizz or Grizz. We got to talk cards. We got to talk Rays. We got a brawl in Anaheim. I'll uh, I'll give you guys a rundown on the race. All right. Yes, Randy, nobody is still coming to the games, just so you're aware. <laughs> there are talks every day of where where are the Rays going to play next year? Well, the reality is, is I think they're still going to be in St. Pete. Um, but we shall see. Uh, they're 40 and 32. 12 and a half games back of the of the, the Yanks there. A game and a a game and a half back of Boston, who's in second place, but also holding the top wild card spot. I mean, it, it's it's like it always is. They're in that line of you know trying to stay in that that wild card tier. Um, I don't think they're going to win the division by any means, unless the the Yankees just fall apart. Uh, but I don't see that happening. But you brought up the how many games back. I mean, the East, I mean, there's it's not even worth talking about. They are the best division in baseball. There are four teams that are all in the hunt for that for those yeah. two wild cards. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's what it comes down to. It's you know, who of those those four, you know, teams can can hang on. So if the Yankees the Yankees win the division, you know, you got Somebody, somebody in those other three is going home sad. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's the state of the Rays right now. They, um, you know, given the success they've had, you know, the last few seasons, given you know some injuries that they've had along the way. I mean, they're they're in a good spot. They are probably where I I, I would have thought they would be. Um, I don't I wouldn't have picked them to be behind the Red Sox by any means, but I mean, you know, within a week that could change. Uh, Randy Cardinals, tell me, talk to me, what they got, what we doing? Just meddling along, DB. You know, five and five in their last ten. Had a big series against the Brewers, where they get two out of three, but you lose to the freaking Cubs. We keep losing the series to the Cubs, man. So, and did Jack Flaherty uh hurt again? I, I'm starting to wonder if he will ever, ever, ever be healthy again. Um. But, you know, the big, big win today, they're a half game back of the Brewers in first. But if the playoffs were to start right now today, which we've got a long way to go, they're on the outside looking in on the wild card. They're a game back of the Braves, uh, who have, were absolutely just freaking red hot. But I think the Cardinals are fine. Uh, you know, they're, they're plus 69 in run differential. The ERA is going down. It's, their pitching is up and down. The hit. The hitting has been a little Jekyll and Hyde. You had Goldschmidt out for a while. You know, he's back. Uh, I, I As a matter of fact, fine. in their 9 nothing win tonight, Goldschmidt teed off. 
Yeah, oh, he, yeah. first inning, he hit smash, he demolished one. I'm just like Big Mac land, like just destroyed it. You know where they're not good so far is on the road. 500 ball on the road, man. You got to be better than that, man. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta be better. You're right. Um, and and it's it's not like the teams in their division are barn burners, you know. So you you got you, I mean, you should play fairly well. But I mean, being eight games over 500, only half game back. I mean, it's kind of what the Cardinals do. Is is what Randy started off with. We meddling along, you know. It's, it's, they are there's always hanging around. Speaking, of, I was just gonna say this real quick on the last thing is their top five in runs scored. They're top five in batting average they're top 10 in on base percentage top 10 in um slugging percentage but then you go over to the pitching they're middle of the pack they're 13th in earn run average they're 13th in quality starts they're 19th in whip they're 18th in batting average against so that's the pitching's got to get healthy number one and it's got to be better it's got to be better all starting pitching has to be better yeah you're if you're going to make a run or even make the playoffs you it's going to start on the bump and those guys got to get it done. Well, Jim, you brought to my attention a big brawl that happened. So I'll give you the stage to talk about, you know, the teams, what happened and, and, and how it went down. Look, before I talk about what happened with Dan, I got to talk about something that happened within it. And I know you guys had to have seen it. All right. So I had to find his name because they kept calling him angels pitcher, but Rizel Iglesias, he grabbed an entire container of sunflower seeds and just launched it at nobody towards home plate. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a, uh, what, you know, was like I said, heated brawl. It hit nobody. It wasn't going near nobody. It was a waste of sunflower seeds, Daniel, and it's downright tragedy. Like, did you happen to see that clip? I, so you, you told me about it, and I was able to see the the main scuffle, but I didn't look at the finer details like the sunflower seeds or, you know, the guys running from the bullpen down. Like I didn't see any of that, but I feel I, I feel like the guy throwing the sunflower seeds is just the guy the the hype man like in other like schoolyard <laughs> fights. He's the guy on the back going yeah yeah yeah. Beat Hold me up. back. Yeah, hold me back. Um, so he's throwing the sunflower seeds at no one because he just wants to look cool, and he knew nothing nothing bad could ever remotely happen if he throws it where he did. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, not not the toughest of moves. But to the actual brawl itself, because I said it, I sent you, um, you know, it's happening during the Ole Miss game. I get the ESPN alert, I immediately click it. And man, like, you know, we always see these and everybody gets in each other's face, a little shoving. No, fists were flying and I was all in. I was like, all of a sudden got to take a break from, from college world series. I got to see this. And so, you know, obviously it always starts with somebody getting beamed. Right. And then, you know, somebody taking exception and um, man, it was just, it escalated quickly. They came running out the, the Mariners came running out the dugout headed towards the angels. Then here came the angels bullpen and, like I said, fists, elbows, and so much so that Daniel, man, we got uh we got ten players total suspended um, in the brawl. So, um, you know, wild, wild stuff. Like you go back and watch the videos, man. I mean, some some folks. Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the brawl, man, let's not do the fake tough guy thing like our sunflower seed guy, man. Land a punch or two, man. Get earn, earn that suspension, right? 
the the real question is did sunflower seed man get a get a suspension i have to i have to look that up i'm gonna go go with no i mean i'm also gonna say that if we were to break down that video he was nowhere in the middle of that scuffle he was outside the uh, real question is who had to i mean he should feel terrible somebody had to pick up all them sunflower seeds off that turf Mm. but here's the thing i would be the i think i would be the guy that would like in situations like that i would just get like the bubble gum and the sunflower seeds from the dugout and just stand on the dugout and start throwing them to the fans just just getting everybody jacked up but like jacked up about something different not what's going on on the field Uh, right and but what clearly happened because if you watch the pitch and you watch him hit him it was whatever was said because him getting beaned wasn't that big of a deal and it wasn't something that like injured the guy or anything Whatever that came through in that exchange, and then whoever said what from the dugout, the dugout, yeah, he whoever came out the dugout started running their mouth, and that's why I said it escalated quickly, and so it got wild. Like, and and here's the running joke for me, guys, because you, you know I, I said the Angels were finally you know breaking through, they were red hot, they were at the top, and then as y'all know, each week we've talked about them, they keep getting further and further down, and now they got guys throwing seeds at nobody, losing brawls because if you know the guy that I saw land the best punch came from the Mariners that they got their ass beat, they lost the game itself two to one, they lost the brawl, and then they threw sunflower feet, seeds for no reason. And they're finding themselves farther and further down in the West. So um, it's all looking bad for the Angels, guys. I, I, I cannot say that I'm surprised. <laughs> I got a question for both of you. A question that I heard asked on ESPN this morning on Wake Up, whatever the hell the morning show is called, Keyshawn and whoever was hosting this morning, because it wasn't Max Kellerman and it wasn't Jay Williams. The question was asked, would you, who would you, would you trade Mike Trout for Aaron Judge. Basically, who would you take right now moving forward? Now, before you answer, Keyshawn and whoever this hosts were, they said, oh, I would absolutely take Aaron Judge. Absolutely. He's having a better year, better player. He's he His team's winning. The Angels haven't won ever since Mike Trout's been there. Then Tim Kirchin comes on as their next guest, and they asked him, and it, full stop. He's like, wait, are you asking me if I would give up Mike Trout for Aaron Judge? Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. He said, I absolutely would not do that. Baseball's not built like that. But I got to ask you guys, you only get one. Who you taking, Mike there, Trout or Aaron Judge? There's a stat that you love more than any other stat, and it's war. And Mike Trout's led it every single year. So Every like, year. And by the way, he'll probably end it as the highest war ever as a player. So that's the answer to the question. That's, the war says he's the best player on the field. So why am I trading the best player on the field? Um, yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, hat like I, there's some recency bias with Aaron Judge right now. Obviously, he hits a home run, you know, he's killing the game it. for his team. And on top of the fact he's been killing it, and you look over at Mike Trout and his team hasn't done shit in how long. Personal accolades are great, but I mean, I guess the same could be said for the Yankees as well. Um, but at least they're making playoffs and and. Well, they think they would have had a title if not for those cheating Astros. They they think. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's hard to give up. You're basically giving up a player to get the same player, if that makes I, sense. I know another number that Randy really relies on. I say Randy, but, but Randy is, is, our, is our statistician. 
he also I looked it up right now. Matt or my Mike Trout leads in the OPS category. He's number one. So there's that too. And if you break it down, just, we're just this year. Their batting average is almost identical: two ninety two, two ninety one versus two ninety two. I mean, on base percentage, four hundred for Mike Trout, three seventy slugging percentage. Trout higher on base plus slugging. The new the new OPS whatever he's higher. I mean, so it's not like even Aaron judge is having the best year of his career and he is still behind Mike trout in almost every category other than home runs. Yeah. He's got, he's, he's got six home runs and three more RBIs. And then he's fourth in OPS. Yeah. When did, how long has Mike trout been in his contract? Uh, we know. I'm not sure, but I do know that he's been playing at least 10 years. Has so he been playing that long. God, we're I, cool. I, I feel as though, the answer to this question is when he was first. So when he was offered this big, this big contract at that point, if the Yankees would have believed that he was Aaron judge, could they not have just went out and got him? I, yeah, hundred percent. I think so too. I mean, I think that's the answer to the question. Like the, the that tells me like, Aaron, I, Aaron Judge is great, but it's no Mike, Mike Trout. You know? hey, and while we're talking about those kind of guys, uh, I don't know if y'all saw the injury of Bryce Harper, the pitch that hit him on the hand. And, um, Randy, you remember the pitch that hit Kyle Booker for Tennessee that broke his thumb that kept him out for five weeks. And, yeah. man, he – and, you know, getting to personally talk to him about how hard it was to grip the bat or throw a ball. Um, man, for Bryce Harper, that that sucks because, man, that – that's tough. You, I mean, you're just up in the batter's box doing your job, and, man, you take one on the thumb, and next thing you know, you can't do anything. Yeah. That guy's so good, too. I know a lot of people hate him, but he's he's, he's so good. That's why they hate him. It's the same reason why I've hated a lot of people over time in sports. They're good. <laughs> Screw them. All I, right, wanted, I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to tell our guest tonight that KD sucks, but I didn't. <laughs> he might have been like, all right, I'm out. Thanks, Damn, guys. snake in the grass. Should have went and grabbed the Westbrook painting, put yeah. in the backdrop. Hey, speaking of the NBA, Kyrie Irving has opted into his $38 million player option. And in other news, the sun is hot. Oh, ex- exactly. Because exactly. anybody, if he had not, if he had said, I'm going to go take the $6 million or whatever, then I would have known then. When he said the earth was flat, I thought, okay, this dude's fucking crazy. But if he had dropped off thirty-eight million to go take six, that's some new level Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman ain't got shit on Kyrie Irving at that point. I bet his agent had to sit down and work the hardest they've ever had to work to get him to to just opt into that. That's a trivia question. Who is Kyrie Irving's agent? Jay Z. Just a just a guess. <laughs> I mean, it's it's either it's either him or LeBron. Uh, what's his name? I actually think Daniel's right. Oh no, of course, of course it's not. His uh his agent is his stepmother, Shatilia Riley Irving. Oh, she was definitely not letting him get away from getting that contract done. He said that is crazy. Kyrie, look, I don't care. You can think the earth's flat all you want, but your ass gonna take that money. He don't get don't get her. don't get vaccinated, whatever, but you sign on the contract. And he just hired her on March the 3rd of 2022. So her first uh, job as his agent is to, hey, dummy, sign the your option 
to get your $36.6 million. Well, let, let me end on this question then, since we brought up KD and you brought up Kyrie. If you're KD, do you – I'm asking you internally, not what he's saying. Is Would you rather somebody else be there with you for your sidekick? Well, yeah, because I think Kyrie's crazy. <laughs> and I don't think basketball is his – I don't think he loves the game of basketball. Is, is there – without without, with, without looking, because I know I'm asking you a tough question because you don't have it in front of you, but is there a guy out there that you happen to know of that might that a team might be willing to trade off that might be that guy and take be willing to take on Kyrie? Or what you think everybody doesn't want anything to do with Kyrie because he's toxic? I don't think anybody wants nothing to do with that dude because of the toxicity because that's the, that's the dude that won a title with LeBron and then spent the next five years – Talking well, that, bad about that's LeBron. why I actually asked the question because I've seen the, the trade rumors anyway, and somehow they want to try to get him to LA with LeBron. That was the interesting note. You start looking at that. We've talked about this at nauseum about their salary cap. Who in the world, and this is not a slide on Russell Westbrook, but what are they going to give up to get Kyrie Irving in a sign and trade? Draft picks, they don't have them. Right. Salary for who? They have three guys that are signed to $40 million deals, and the rest are signed to either veteran minimums or rookie deals. You don't have assets to give up unless it's LeBron, Russell Westbrook, or Anthony Davis. And if you give up Anthony Davis, you're the, the biggest fool of them all. You're not giving up LeBron because he decides what he wants. Right. And nobody's going to take on Russell Westbrook's but just, contract just, right now. Just for the fun of it, though, saying that they, they pulled off this trade and they were because Kyrie wanted out of there and Russ wanted out of L.A., do you guys think that I would welcome the K? Hell yeah, reunion. <laughs> Hell yeah, you would. Yeah. Well, what I if I, what I would if, forgive and forget? It would what be if, silly not to. What if this happened? You know, dun, there was dun, a, there was some dun. Vegas odds out on if KD forced a sign and trade. The number one team that he was that with the odds were it would be the Miami Heat. I mean, that would be pretty sick. But if you're KD. And your legacy is that you have to go team up with another guy. Are you going to go in LeBron's shadow to Miami? I know he's obviously not there, but that's what LeBron did. And he did. So you're going to go there. Not to mention, do you think Jimmy going. Butler is going to let Kevin Durant be the guy? Or no. go get a team their first championship. I know exactly. That's going. exactly what the number two team was, was the Memphis Grizzlies. And for all the Grizzlies fans that have hated on KD too, because you weren't alone in your hatred there, Jim, the FedEx forum would whoop that trick right with the slim what do they call him? Slim Reaper. Yeah. We would hey, welcome him. And I think and I think guys yeah. joining a guy like Ja yeah. is nothing like the guys that he's joined in the past, like joining for, with Steph Curry and 40, 40 a night. And I'll 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 gladly gladly join him. What if and welcome him? What if Daniel what if in in the, the trade they had to get rid of BC? You okay? You okay? <laughs> Hollaback yeah. BC. Oh, we'll that's like, your favorite player. You just get rid of him like I, that. Hey, I'm gonna tell you who I would not who I really now. If they said this is what I hope they do. All right, Dylan Brooks, you're going to New Jersey. BC, I hate to see you go. But if they said Desmond Bain, that's too much. It's too much. Can't give up. I can't give up BC and Desmond Bain. I gotta keep a DB around. True. So so would triple J move to the five or would uh, Durant play the three. Durant would play probably the two because I and mean, Bane at the three. If you kept Bane, so you yeah 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 you would probably play Bane. And then you talk know, about Stephen Adams being a luxury. basketball. But then yeah, you talk look, about let, let me Adams let me tell you. 
Look, Stephen Adams, just rebound. We got shooters everywhere. Uh, this, this, this is this is the game plan. All right, we're gonna give it to KD. KD's gonna either shoot it and make it, or he's gonna give it to Ja, and Ja's gonna do something crazy. All right, ready? Let's go. That's ready, break. Oh, and by the way, when they collapse to the rim, Desmond Bain is gonna just, stand at the three point line. That's Kyle the- Anderson, retire. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And then you got Adams in there. Just rebound, bro. Rebound. Kick it back out. That's it. They could have Xavier Tillman in his old looking like he's 47. <laughs> you know, we, we pay Steve. I looked at it this morning. Y'all know Steven Adams is like the second highest paid dude on this team. My man making over 13 millies. And then you got to go shout out Russell Westbrook because he's the reason he got that contract. Man. Shout out hey. Russell Westbrook. But hey, I'll say I'll say this as we close. You know, you, you was talking about football season, Daniel, and we've sat here and talked about you know college baseball, NHL, NBA. Man, all we got is MLB guys. It's getting slim. Obviously, we love MLB, but man, it's a while before we got anything else. It's kind of sad. It's only eight Saturdays until college football. That's a lot of Saturdays, eight. Randy. Don't downplay that. That's a lot of Saturdays. Uh, it'll it'll be August before you know it, and you'd be sweating hard thinking about that first weekend in September. So let's get there. Well, guys, anything before we get out of here, Jim? Nope, I'm good. Randy, one more? You got it. 2022 Big Bang State of Tennessee Championship belt right there, boys. 12U. My girls start out 0-2 in pool play, lost both games by one run. Get in the bracket. We're mashed up against the number one seed. What do we do? Let me tell you what we do. The other coach that coached with me, Scott Lockwood, love that dude. He gets thrown out of the game for arguing a call. We're down two nothing. Things are going bad. So we call. I call time. I go out there. You know what? I asked him, DB. I looked at him in the eyes and I said, "Have you guys seen the new episode of Stranger Things?" And they're like, "What?" And then I walked. I was like, "All right, go get him." And then it was like some ten cup shit. The very next inning, we hit a grand slam. Bases is loaded. My girl, Buggy, Lila, scored, got on, did her thing. Uh, we go up 4-2, score some more runs, bat around 6-2, ended up winning the game. Don't lose another game in bracket play. Got home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well worth it. I'm still tired. I'm going to sleep now. But Germantown Red Devils 12U, Big Bang and, State. And, and, what I, and what I learned from that story is another team goes 0-2 and, and then runs rough shot over everybody. You don't want to be the number one seed, boys. Oh, just don't. Just don't. Well, guys, another awesome episode. Shout out to Xavier Hill for joining us. If you'd like to hear Xavier's story or you just want to hear us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll be back next week. we got episode 27 coming at you. We're going to talk Notre Dame baseball with their star third baseman, Jack Brannigan. This has been the Unoff the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.